Well, good morning. morning. Now, when my husband and I were living in Africa, we were part of a team of five people. Now, we all had different jobs to do during the day, but after dinner in the evening, we had to make our own entertainment. There was no radio or television, and it wasn't safe to go out after dark. So we had to find ways to entertain ourselves. Now, I remember that one of the team had a jigsaw. So we thought, oh, well, you know, we could work on that together. So although our accommodation was basic, we did usually have electricity. Unfortunately, it was a single light bulb and the ceiling fan was over it. So when the fan was going round, everything seemed to be just like in slow motion like that. So plus, all of the pieces of the jigsaw were beige. So I gave up because I've never been very good at jigsaws. Um, I'm too impatient with them. However, I thought it might make a good, I don't know whether the word's analogy or, oh, anyway, the Christian life. So when you start with a jigsaw, you need your four corner pieces. That's to get you started. So you've got to look for the four corners to start with. Now the first corner is God, our creator. Now this God, is majestic, awesome, and powerful. He just has to speak to create galaxies far beyond our imagining. And you just need to watch a wildlife program on television to be amazed at the variety of creatures in the jungles and under the sea, so many types and colors and shapes, all of them planned and made by this vast God who dwells in unapproachable light. So how could us, puny human beings have any kind of a relationship with something so other. We are told that God is merciful and loving and kind and compassionate, but how, how can we know? So let me read you some really exciting words of scripture. This I'm reading from the message translation, which I'm using this year. And this is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. And it's speaking about the Lord Jesus. And it says, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up until this very moment. So we're seeing our second corner is the Lord Jesus, God in the flesh, who came to show us what God is really like. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. Does that not just drill your heart this morning? You know, Jesus, the one who had compassion on the crowd, healed the sick, stilled the wind and waves, raised the dead. This God who was willing to leave heaven, come to earth and allow himself to be crucified in our place. He came to show us the love and grace of God. But in John chapter one, we read, he was in the world, actually physically God here. And the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever believed he was who he claimed to be and would do what he said, 
he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. The main thing that proves that Jesus is God was the resurrection. He died, conquered death, and rose to life again, promising that those who have put their trust in him to save them from their sins will have eternal life. See, mankind, well, we've separated ourselves from our creator because of wrong choices and going our own way. We are the ones deserving of punishment. But as been said before, Jesus would rather die than live without you. So we see in Jesus that the creator God is a loving father. After Jesus was raised to life, he spent some time letting his followers see that he was truly alive. And then he returned to heaven, promising to send the Holy Spirit. So our third corner, the Holy Spirit, a person exactly the same in nature as God the Father and Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one who is here with us now. He lives in us. And the strength delivered Christians does not come from ourselves. It comes entirely from the Holy Spirit because he empowers us. So we have our three corner pieces, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But they won't make any sense at all without the fourth piece, which is our faith. The other three exist whether we believe it or not. We have to take a step of faith to get those pieces into place. Hebrews chapter 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It was on the 22nd of February, 1983, that I committed my life to the Lord Jesus, simply telling him that I was sorry for the things I'd done wrong and asking him to save me. And from that day, my life was changed. I'm not saying that life has always been easy, but it's better to know that you're not doing it alone. Jesus has promised always to be with us. Now the devil might whisper lies and try to say that you're not truly loved, that you're not truly saved, you are undeserving, you are not good enough. But salvation, our right relationship with God is based on one thing and one thing only, Christ and what he has done for us. C.C. Littlejohn writes, we have complete confidence, not because of our ability, goodness or work, but because we are placed securely in him when we accept the gift with the promise. It is correct, we are not good enough, but Jesus most definitely is, and we are enough in him. And if there's anybody here today who has not made that decision to truly trust Jesus with their lives, then I really would urge you to do that today. Colossians 1 and verse 27 says, the mystery in a nutshell is this, Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. So, having got our four corner pieces in place, now we need to find the bits that have a straight edge. These borders are not meant to restrict us or rules to hem us in. Therefore, they're for our protection to help us to stay within the boundaries that a loving God has set to keep us safe and walking closely with him. So not in any particular order, the first border is the Bible. Now, the Bible isn't primarily a source of information, it's a source of revelation about our relationship with God. It's a book that tells us who God is, what he's like, and what does he expect of us. This week I've recently started a new online Bible study, which is about loving God with your mind as well as your heart and soul and spirit. 
And the tutor says, you can't love something you don't know. So it's important that we get to know more about God as he's revealed through. Yes, it's right to read devotionally. You know, I like to read uh, like a love letter from God and have him speak to us personally. But it's also good to study with our minds. This Second Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. God speaks to us personally and individually through the Bible. Sometimes it can be a rebuke, as happened to me recently. It may surprise you to know that I have opinions, and lots of them, and they're not always correct. And my mouse likes to express those opinions. I keep a journal, I always have, ever since I became a Christian. I write down thoughts, I write down things I think God is saying, I write down prayers, scripture verses, things from devotional books. Well, last December, when I knew that we were moving here in January, but I also knew that there were plans being drawn up for the renovation of the chapel building, I had opinions. And given the opportunity, might have expressed those opinions. However, I happened to be reading in the Bible, in the book of Ezra, chapter 6 and verse 7, and I read... Do not interfere with this work on the temple of the Lord. Let the Jewish governor and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Now, that is a verse taken completely out of context. The, the, the original context was an edict issued by King Darius about the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And you have to be careful when you take verses out of context. But it was enough to cause me to stay quiet and keep my opinions to myself. I don't know what's going to happen with the chapel building. I just know that God has a plan. Please don't misunderstand me. I mean, you know, you can have opinions. And if you have any concerns about anything to do with the church, then I'm sure our leaders will be more than happy to listen to you and talk to you. What we need to do is to pray for the leaders that they might hear from God and have a clear direction about the future of this church. Because God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the Bible. And ask yourself this morning, how long is it since God spoke to you? How long has he spoken to you through his word? And are you listening? And are you ready to be obedient? Now, the second border that we have is the church. We have leaders in this church who are all people of integrity, who teach us, who are there to guide us, to help and lead. We have people who pray for us and are concerned about us. The Bible tells us not to stop meeting together. And as we worship God, we can, he can meet with us if we come expecting to meet with him. The third edge I would suggest is our own experiences of God. Because if I get to a point where I'm thinking, you know, I think I'm imagining all this. How could a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago really be God, God incarnate? To the logical mind, it makes no sense. But then I remind myself of all the things that I've seen God do, all the things and times that he's spoken and how he has kept me and protected me. And then I'm ashamed of my doubts. So we need those experiences of God that we can remember when things are going wrong. Plus the testimony of other people, you know, their experiences of God, 
help us to grow in faith. And the fourth border is prayer. It's essential to be with God, to be alone with him, in order to hear clearly from him. He outlines and clarifies his plans for your life when there's nobody else around. One of the things that God has been saying to me lately is not to be so concerned about what other people think of me. So I'll share something with you now, which you might think is rather foolish and a bit trivial. As I said, I've always kept a prayer journal and I write down prayers and answers and thoughts. And when I think, God has spoken. About a year ago, in August, when things had opened up a bit and we were adjusting to this new normal, I asked the Lord if there was anything he wanted me to do. And I wrote a list, you know, should we restart our house group that had been closed during the lockdown? Should I go and volunteer with Handcrafted with Ruth's women's group? Should I do that? And a few different other options of things I might do. None of it was right. And the Lord just kept saying, pray, deepen your relationship with me, don't want you to do anything. And I've gone back to that page in the journal a few times over the year and still nothing, just wait. However, I like to be doing something. You know, I can't just sit doing nothing. So earlier, when the weather wasn't good, I took up a hobby. And I've, some of you know this, um, crafting with broken jewellery. Nothing wrong with that, you might say. You know, that's a nice hobby to have. No, didn't harm anybody. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but it became an obsession. I couldn't walk past the charity shop without popping in to buy a few strings of bead. There should be a photograph of me in every charity shop in Gateshead with a notice saying, do not sell this woman any beads. <laughs> Who knew that you could bid for bundles of broken jewellery on eBay? Every afternoon, I was making things with broken jewellery, spending too much money and too much time and thinking about colours and designs even when I was supposed to be praying. I imagined myself at a recovery group. Hello, my name is Heather and I'm a crafting addict. <laughs> Most of the stuff I've given away, but then I imagined that people would be saying, oh, quick hide, here's Heather coming, she's gonna give us another one of them jewelry things. So a few weeks ago, I was praying, you know, and I was just chewing about it. It's becoming too much of a thing. Now, what do you think are the chances of your daily reading for that morning talking about hobbies? But this is what I read. If we are aware of God's intimate heart for us, how could we give him any less than our all? He is our passion and our pride. So how is it then that the enemy is so clever to trick us at times into devoting a part of our heart to an alternative love? If we find a passion for success, and admired for something we do or create, if we enjoy a hobby or a pastime, those loves test them to see if they're competing with our true passion. There's nothing wrong with working hard at a job you love or enjoying a sport or a hobby, but if it becomes an idol, we need to be aware. Our Lord's place of priority needs to be guarded. So, we have our corners and we have our straight edges and we can turn to the middle bit. All those scattered pieces can look like a right muddle. And we sang it this morning. All those pieces broken and scattered, in mercy gathered, mended and whole. Some people will be sitting here today and think, well, Heather, the pieces in my life just don't fit together. 
Some of us, sadly, have got a piece missing. The picture just doesn't look right anymore. And look at the chaos in the world. The war in Ukraine, we've got COVID, we've got monkeypox, the cost of living crisis, famine in Africa. It just seems to be all mixed up. And this is not a pretty picture. Sean, this is the second slide. I forgot to say the first one, so this is the second one. It's Colossians chapter 1 again. And this is again talking about Jesus. So spacious is he, so expansive, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death and his blood poured down from the cross. Get that. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. The miracle is not that we are delivered from our present circumstances, it's that we're transformed by them. So while we are waiting for this to happen, and it might not be this side of heaven that we see all those pieces fit together in the middle bit, how should we live? And I'm just going to change my analogy here away from jigsaws. Because it seemed a while back that young people always seem to have to have the right designer labels. And I've seen young men camping all night, overnight, sleeping outside on the pavement in Newcastle for the shop opening early next morning to get the latest pair of very expensive trainers. Or young girls going to school with designer handbags. Now, I do think now that a lot of the young people are, are more conscious of the planet and they'd use the Vinted app or eBay or, or go to charity shops. This is the third slide, um, Sean, thank you. And it's talking about, this is Colossians chapter 3, and it's talking about a new wardrobe. And it says, this is how we're to live whilst we wait for all the middle pieces to come together. You're done with that old way of life it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you're stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. That's the best kind of designer label you want, his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, they mean nothing. For now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Recently, I've spent a bit of time in hospital waiting rooms while my husband has certain procedures. And you can't help hearing when other patients approach the reception desk and they're asked for their name and date of birth. And I look at them and I hear them say their date of birth, and I think, hey, I'm the same age as old people. 
I'm just going to invite the band back up now. Somebody said recently that they had reached the wonder years. I wonder where I've left my glasses. I wonder where the car keys are. I wonder what I did with my phone. But you know, none of us know how long we have on this earth. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 tells us, This world is not your home, so don't make yourself too cosy in it. All the pieces will fall into place when we make it home. And we will be amazed. I'm going to close with a prayer that's also in the message translation of the Bible. So if we just close our eyes for a moment as we just uh, read you this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the moment when you called me to follow you, called me by your grace into a whole new sphere of living. Help me to realise that this new sphere isn't a new place to live, but a new way to live. Show me the way, Jesus. Show me the way you lived the way you lived in Galilee, the way you lived in Samaria, the way you lived in Jerusalem, and grant me the grace to follow in your steps. Amen.